Okay, welcome back for another episode of the Andrew Steele podcast. We're presented by blogsofsteel.substack.com. If you go over and have a look, loads of good stuff on there as, as usual. It's an HL trade deadline day. Uh, the trade deadline has passed. I'm recording this at about 5 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, trade deadline shut at, at 3 p.m. Not a lot of moves today. Obviously, a lot of the big moves had, had already happened. So today was kind of just a load of minor moves. But we'll get into the into the trade deadline in a little bit. We've got a bit of a different podcast for you today. I decided to mix it up and have two guests on in one episode rather than one um, as we've done for the first four. So we're going to have Johnny Lazarus up first, who does a lot, load of good hockey content for uh, BNR Open Ice. And then after that, Chris Cotillo, who was on episode one, he's the Boston Red Sox reporter for Mass Live. He's coming on um, to talk spring training, the rule changes. I'm going to lift the curtain up a little bit. You know, I love doing that, and also. I just, you know, I love being open and we're not a polished podcast here. I'm I'm a firm believer in that, especially in sports, things happen and I'll share them. So I, I appreciate every guest that has come on the podcast so far because it is a big time commitment in terms of, it's, you know, these people, professionals, they take pride in what they do. So they're not just going to come on and, and kind of go through the motion. So even carving out 20 minutes, half an hour, can be a lot and they they've got their jobs and you know we, with johnny he was on four other shows today in addition to ours so five shows in total so for him to come on um and kind of just talk all things rangers and, and a little bit of the trade deadline was 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 really fun but he was he was kind of running a little bit behind uh chris was scheduled to come on just after um and what ended up happening, which you'll hear, is that while me and Johnny are on talking hockey, Chris jumped on. Uh, so we kind of had a, you know, a smooth transition I hadn't planned for, um, which all good though. Chris, to be fair, you know, kind of um, listened to us talk hockey for a couple minutes, and then Johnny jumped off, and then we kind of just talked baseball, and then the chat with Chris wasn't as long as I I planned because kind of as we were talking, I could kind of see Chris looking at his laptop and then I got a message and say yeah there's some some Red Sox news here I'm gonna to have to jump off so look in terms of podcast sports you know I listen to a lot of podcasts these, these things happen you know especially in sports things come up all the time Chris has talked about this before and you know the probably the first five minutes of our chat Chris is talking about spring training and how it's a grind there's always stuff going on. You know, it's the same with Johnny. He, like I said, he he was on four different shows today, five if you count ours. There's there's always something going on. It, it's a really busy time in sports at the moment. What with spring training, the trade deadline in in hockey today. So yeah, that kind of takes you behind the curtain a little bit in terms of. Uh, what went in today's pod it was certainly a, a fun one the most chaotic one i've done so far um i had to take a little bit of a breather after that because it was kind of rush 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 we officially launched the rangers breakdown newsletter this week um you can go on my social channels and find that and that's a newsletter dedicated just to new york rangers really really happy with how that's going and we're actually got some exciting stuff in the pipeline potentially which we are discussing at the moment so keep an eye out for that 
so that went today then we had the recordings back to back um you know they overlapped and uh yeah and we've got a load of stuff on the website this weekend breaking down the deadline i'm going to do a couple of bits on the rule changes in baseball and uh constantly chasing guests and and trying to line up guests for you you know i'm already trying to line up content for for opening day in baseball in a few weeks to get some guests on for that and uh, i am trying to get some basketball people on because i know that's something we've not really covered uh a new feature i'm launching which i've talked about um we've got the artwork back for that which is incredible you know, you know when you have like a vision in your head of how you want something to be and then you you pass that vision on and you're never quite sure how it's going to turn out well it turned out a lot better than my original vision so i'm really happy to bring that to you um hopefully early next week we're just putting the finishing touches to it as we speak so yeah uh, another another busy one and before we get to our guests as i said i wanted to talk a little bit about the trade deadline because it's been and gone now um in terms of the actual deadline itself today it was always going to be quiet i think we saw it with the NBA trade trade deadline as well, sorry. I think gone are the days where you have everything happen on one day now. It, it still happens in free agency. But I think with, with the trade deadlines, a lot of these big trades, there's so many moving parts that go into them now. You, you saw the Kyrie Irving trade and the Kevin Durant trade in the NBA. They, they happened a few days before. And we've seen in the NHL, you know, the Patrick Kane trade happened earlier in the week. The team of Meyer trade to the Devils happened last weekend. There's so many moving parts, you know, with the with the Patrick Kane trade, there was a third team involved in in because of salary cap implications. And so those kind of deals take a long time to get into place. So I don't think you're you're ever really gonna see a load of blockbuster deals on the on the last day. Um, they're going to happen over time. I think it's better for the sport because what we've had the last couple of weeks is just a constant flurry of big trades every single day. I mean, this week's been crazy. Every every single night, there's been like 10, 12 trades. (laughs) Even some of the insiders have struggled to keep up. And I would rather that than have it all happen on one day. I think it, it, it gives the NHL its moment in the spotlight. And if you're having... You know, Team Amar gets traded at the weekend. Patrick Kane gets traded on the the Wednesday. It spreads it out. It gives the NHL a little bit more attention. Unless you're ESPN, of course, who, despite buying the rights back for the NHL, decides to let one of its biggest personalities, Stephen A. Smith, go on probably one of the biggest shows on the network and publicly declare that hockey's not a one of the big sports and who cares about hockey and he's he's tried to come back and publicly walk back those comments but that was a really bad look you know as i said espn bought back the rights this year made a massive massive deal and then you know you've got your most notable name out there you know pissing all over the sport it's it wasn't a great look um and unfortunately hockey still doesn't get the love it deserves, and it's frustrating for us for for us hockey fans and me and Johnny got into it a little bit it it's you know when you care about the sport so much and there's so much good talent I mean Colin McDavid's got over 100 points already over 50 goals 
and there's still a good chunk of the regular season left. Yet, does it get talked about publicly? No. Like the guy could walk into, you know, a Dunkin's or a Starbucks, and he wouldn't get noticed. And um, that's not right when you're one of the biggest stars in your respective sport. Baseball's got the same problem. Mike Trout, one of the biggest stars in the game. Hard, you know, nine out of ten people won't know who the hell Mike Trout is. If he walked past them down the street, they would just think he's average Joe. Think he's you or me. I, I wish I could swing a bat like Mike Trout could, but I can't. So that was slightly annoying this week. You know, again, big week for the NHL with the trade deadline, and you've got Stephen A. Smith kind of stomping all over it. But there you go. But no, I think the NHL is very interesting now after this deadline, especially the East. The East is absolutely stacked. You know, the Rangers have got Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko, and they'll work. They'll take the rest of the regular season to work things out. They're going to make the playoffs, and I think they'll take the stretch run to work things out, tweak things because they didn't make these trades for now. They made these trades to win. In the in the most important time of the year, so they'll be an interesting team to watch. The Devils I've loved watching all year. They've got better with Timo Meyer. You know he he's a scorer. He's a creator. He he's got speed. He's got size. He can play physical. He's going to be a really good addition to that young forward core they've got. Toronto Maple Leafs. You know normally we're used to them making stupid moves moves that that don't address any flaws. They've been really, really clever. Um, Kyle Dubas is, he's, I think time's running out. If they don't make a real run soon, I think he's out of a job. And not only that, I think if they don't start showing signs that they're a winner, I think Austin Matthews may go elsewhere and his contract's up in the next couple of years. And I, I love the moves they made. You know, I, I did a piece on Ryan O'Reilly and, and, and Noel Chari, but since then, you know, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, Luke Shen, Eric uh, Gustafson, incredible moves. You know, not not flashy moves, but their their depth moves. You know, Jake McCabe's a really solid D man who who can go on the penalty kill, play in all situations, log big minutes. So I love that for them. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov uh, went from Columbus to the Kings again. Big body D can log big minutes, play in all situations, left shot think that really really good upgrade for the Kings part of that they they gave up uh, Jonathan Quick which was a move that seemed to surprise everyone it, it certainly pissed Jonathan Quick off he's been down to the Golden Knights since which is interesting they they need goaltending whether Quick is the answer we'll 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 see and yeah uh, Oilers get Mateus Ekholm from, from the Predators again they needed a solid D. They didn't, you know, there was talk here of going after Eric Carson. They they don't need another star. They need role players that can get the job done. So, yeah, really, really, really interesting deadline. Some really, really interesting moves. Um, and now we can just focus on hockey. That's the thing. It's, it's the same in the NBA. You get the trade deadline out of the way, get the madness out of that out of the way, and then it's, it's just focus on the hockey now. Uh, we've got Rangers Bruins on Saturday, which is going to be a, Really, really good game. The Bruins are incredible. I didn't even mention them. You know, all off half away from the Capitals. You know, Orlov is playing like Bobby Orr at the moment. Um, I'm sure Bostonians may come at me for that comment. But 
he he is playing incredible, but he's a big body D who will really raise his game in the playoffs. And then the those are the sorts of moves you make at the trade like trade deadline if you're a contender. You know, though those little moves that may not appear to move the needle at the time, but you need grit, you need sandpaper guys and all of that. He'll he'll contribute offense, he'll you know, he'll he'll contribute points, but more importantly, he's he's gonna make a difference in the playoffs in those marginal gains. You know, he's gonna put the body, he's gonna finish his checks, he's gonna be a presence in front of the net at both ends. Halfway is a is another four for that bottom six. They also went out and got Tyler Batuzzi from the Red Wings. I love that. You know, they've obviously got injuries to Hall and Felino, but I wouldn't be surprised if they come back for the playoffs, which means that you've got Felino Hall and then Batuzzi in that lineup as well with all the other talent. And Batuzzi, not only can he score, but he's he's physical and he's a pest. He will get under the skin of opponents again, which is what you need in the playoffs. That's what playoff hockey is all about. You know, you need players that can help you get that extra that extra edge and, and win those marginal gains. So that was a really good addition. Their biggest addition was obviously locking up uh, David Pasternak to a long term deal. Um, that was key. There was there was rumours. You know, if if you look at the history of the league, once you get past the deadline, if you've got a player that's set to hit free agency and they've still not signed, that they're they're gonna test the open market, so it was big for them to get him locked down. The the guy is so fun to watch. He can score from anywhere on the ice. You know, he, he can take slap shots, he can score from the blue line, but he can also crash the net and go in hard and, and score. You know, he can score uh, greasy goals, silky goals. He he's just such a fun player to watch. And me and Johnny were talking about this, which we'll you'll hear in a minute. You know, when it comes to the NBA, you always have a discussion about the NBA League Pass teams, you know, the the top five NBA League Pass teams that are the most fun to watch. I kind of think we have that in the NHL. You know, for me, the Buffalo Sabres have been a fun team to watch all year. Um, I love watching the Kraken. Edmonton, obviously, because of Conor McDavid. But Boston, because they're so damn good, and and they're a fundamentally sound hockey team. They they have built that roster the right way. They've got great goaltending. They've got a blue line that has got size, skill, speed. They they can do the transition game. They can contribute points. And then you've got four forward lines that are deep, and can offer different things. You know, you've got Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, but. You know, you got Charlie Coyle, who's a really underrated center. Uh, you know, Taylor Hall has kind of found his own on the the third line. I I mean, really, he should be contributing more points. But that is just a stacked team, and it's no, it's no surprise that they've they've kind of set the NHL alight this year. But it's going to be really really interesting down the stretch run. Um, there's you look at that East again with all the teams that are going to make the playoffs. You, you wouldn't be. I, I, I look at it now, and there's not a single team that, if they made a run to the finals, I'd be surprised. And I mean, if the season ended now, you're going to get a Devils Rangers first round matchup, which would be incredible. And I, and I think this year, it's going to be the year we see the start up of that rivalry again because the Rangers are in their window to win now. They've got probably two, three, four years before they start to feel the the salary cap effects. 
and and before that bill is due. And the devils are just starting to approach their window now. They're, they're just starting to creep up to it. They've got a young core and they're going to be able to win for a long time. And I think if they were to meet the first round of the playoffs, I think that's going to be the official start of a, of a new chapter in this rivalry. And that will be a hell of a fun series to watch. You know, you the Bruins are perfect on paper. Never, never rule out Tampa with all their experience because they've been there, done that over the last few years. And they know what it takes, which you can't underrate. So they're going to be a team to watch. I really do think Toronto can slay their playoff demons this year and at least make a couple rounds because it, all the talent they've got, they can't keep losing in the playoffs. And because they've now added high character guys, which I think they've been missing, I think that could be what carries them around or two. Um, the Sabres, if they get in, I think they're going to be a hard out for, for teams because they can score at will. Tage Thompson is... Really developing into one of the the best players in the league, you know. Rosmus Darlene on on the back end is incredible, so they'll be hard to beat. It's, it's just going to be an absolute firing squad, and I, I kind of wish the playoffs were starting already because they're going to be that fun to watch. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna pass you over to our guests. As I said at the beginning, um, normally you know. We only ever have one guest on. We've got two today, and Chris kind of jumped on while me and Johnny were still on. So you you want to stick around for Chris's brilliant hockey insight. Um, so yeah, Johnny Johnny Lazarus from um, BR Open Ice is first on. If you're a Ranger fan, you're going to love the first ten minutes because we just talked Patrick Kane. Then we kind of touch on the trade deadline, and then like I said, Chris Cotillo from Mass Live, who who covers the Boston Red Sox, jumped on for about 10 minutes before he had to go and cover a, a breaking story just to talk spring training, the Red Sox rule changes. So, yeah, uh, a pat show, two guests for you today. Uh, it's the NHL trade deadline edition. Happy listening. of NHL content for BR Open Ice. Thanks for uh, joining me, man. Very high praise. Thank you. I, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm happy to be here, Andrew. Big day in the uh, hockey world of the trade deadline. Not that there's a lot going on. I think we we saw most of the big moves earlier in the week. Um, one of the big moves that, that did happen was obviously Patrick Kane. We're both Ranger fans, so that's where I want to lead off. Um, we'll kind of delve into the trade in, in a minute, but I think you probably felt the same as I did being a Ranger fan, whether you're in the building last night or watching it on TV. Kane's one of those players where you can all like, you could always envision him in the Rangers jerseys. It's, it's strange as it sounded, but just seeing him lined up for the national anthems, it, it was like no feeling like it was just, it was so strange to see him in the Rangers jersey, but it kind of felt like that moment was always meant to happen. Like how, how was it for you? This was a regular season game where, I had to be at the garden by six o'clock. Like I, there, I wasn't going to miss a second. Um, and I'm not usually like that. Like I don't really get there for warm up or, uh, you know, care about, you know, being in the seat at a certain time. But, you know, this was a game where, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like I was trying to think of, 
you know, comparing other sports like, you know, in the NBA, because it's not like when the Knicks got mellow, you know, it's not like the maybe the Yankees getting A-Rod. I'm, I'm not a baseball person, but like, you know, I'm trying to compare it to to what it really feels like for hockey fans, because so many people like, you know, obviously the ESPN clip came out yesterday. I know I'm like dodging the question a little bit, but I'm kind of I'm trying to build up to it. No, for sure. um, you know, I think. A lot of people aren't familiar with hockey, but even those people are familiar with Patrick Kane. And I think that's, you know, that speaks to the level of his stardom. So for me, just like, be, like I, I was right outside the, uh, you know, the bench during warm up, and I watched him step onto the ice for the first time. And I was just like, I was smiling. I could not stop smiling. I was like, I can't believe this guy's here. Like I literally like, you know, I, I don't often get, uh, you know, starstruck or whatever around NHLers. And I, I don't remember the last time I was, you know, um, but being like, I've never seen Kane play live, first of all. So seeing him play live, seeing him in a Ranger uniform for the first time, it was just so hard to really put into words. And I'm struggling to do it again right now, you know, and I've had so much time to do it, but when, when you idolize someone basically for your whole childhood and you try to emulate them on the ice. Like I, I posted a clip today that, you know, I grew up wearing the number 88 until I couldn't because it was taken. Um, and he's just a guy that I always, you know, imagined myself being when I was playing in the basement or, you know, practicing on the ice and, and to, you know, have the opportunity to now watch him and root for him is really cool and really special. I think you're so right. Cause like Connor McDavid is obviously the star of the sport, but he could walk into a Starbucks or a, you know, Tim Horns, and yeah. a lot of people wouldn't know who he was, but I kind of feel with Patrick Kane, that's different because there's, as you said, there's just this kind of enigma about him and, and he'll go down as one of the, the best American born players to ever play the game. He he kind of just has always done everything with a, with a swagger and a, and a kind of attitude. And, and again, I think to have him on the Rangers and to see him in a uniform last night was just, was just a real, awesome. yeah. It was awesome. In terms of his debut, uh, I kind of put this in the, you know, we, I've just started a, a Rangers newsletter, which which we started yesterday. I saw that. You sent me that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I put in today, I've, we cut, we've kind of seen it with Tarasenko. I think people like, expect instant results. I mean, Patrick Kane literally joined the team. He's had one practice and people expect fireworks. I, I thought first period he was good. Obviously, there were a few kind of the kinks in the in the power play but I think the power play's been a bit of an issue for a while but what what did you make of his his debut I don't think he did a ton but I also thought everyone was guilty of like uh what's what's the word I'm looking for um you know giving in to him a little bit yeah uh, it seemed like everyone was like overpassing to him and trying to force things to him because they wanted him to put on a show in his debut that's just you know, I think kind of how instincts work and listen, every time you're on the ice with Patrick Kane, like you want him to have the puck. So I don't blame the players for doing that. Um, you know, was it a little underwhelming of a performance? Yeah, I'd say so. The whole game didn't really feel like it had a lot of jump to it. Uh, you know, I thought the first period he was pretty dead aside from Kreider's breakaway. Like there wasn't really much, uh, you know, offensive scoring chances. And then the second period picked up a little bit. Ottawa scores those two goals in like 21 seconds, kind of deflates the building a little bit. Then the Rangers find a way to tie it, take the lead with Tarasenko's incredible goal. Yeah. But then again, you know, the power play usually brings momentum to the team, but it almost killed them last night because they weren't able to score. So it's kind of just like a deflating feeling. Um, but as far as Kane goes, you know, I, a point I made last night on uh, the Blue Crew was we've seen Artemi Panarin be a playmaker, and he hasn't had that shoot-first mentality. But when you have Patrick Kane on the ice with you, 
And Aaron becomes a scoring threat now where he typically is not because he's always looking to make the extra pass, make the pretty play. But having Kane out there just draws so much attention to 88 that it opens up all that space for number 10. And last night, you know, in the first period, Panarin took a one-timer from the half wall in five-on-five play when Kane was in the slot and found him, like, at the dash mark on the boards. And and Panarin almost scored from there. Um, And that's not a shot he usually takes. So that was just a really encouraging play, too, to see that we might start seeing uh, him pull the trigger a little bit more now that Kane's on his line. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there were a couple of times last night as well where it's kind of, you know, with Kane and Panarin, it was like, you have the puck. No, you have the puck. And it's like, yeah, can someone just get the puck on there? And I think... I, I think that's been a bigger issue with this team overall. They they've been guilty for a couple of years now of of you know overpassing sometimes. Uh, I mean, there, as you said, there were a couple of good moments in last night. Tarasenko's goal, unreal, and I think he's starting to find his game now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the last uh, two games for him has been great. He's got what like uh, two goals, two assists, I think, um, in the last two games. But you know, it's still a process, right? And and they're not here to you know, win, win games necessarily right now. They're here to figure it out so they can win games in six weeks. Yeah. You know, that's uh, really the important thing. I think the Rangers have, you know, essentially solidified a playoff spot unless something drastic happens. And I think the focus right now is gearing up for that first round series, whether it's the Devils, whether it's the Hurricanes, because that's who it's going to be most likely. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this out loud for the first time, I'm rooting for the Devils to win the Metropolitan Division because... I would so much rather play the Hurricanes in round one than play the Devils. Um, you know, not not only matchup wise, but if the Devils do beat the Rangers in round one, we'll never hear the end of it. Uh, so that's something you know. I, I uh, you know, if Kane and Tarasenko come here, the Rangers don't want a playoff series. And on top of that, it's to the Devils. I, I wouldn't even step outside my apartment. Um, but you know, I, I think that's what it's really about, though. It's finding that chemistry, like you said. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, you know, it could take four games, could take ten games, could take fifteen games, but as long as they do find it when, when the time matters most, that's what they're here for. Yeah, no, and, and I'm the, you know, we'll get into the devils in a little bit, but I'm the same. I'm, I'm freaking scared of the devils. I mean, they're, <laughs> yeah. so, they're such a good team. Yeah. Obviously Jack Hughes has taken that lead, but no, you're, you're right. I think this is a, an organization, their original six, they're in the biggest market in the country. They haven't won the Stanley cup since 94. And with their, with the way the salary cap is, their windows open for the next few years and they need to win within that. So it's right. They're not hit, you know, as much as you want games like last night, they're not, they haven't made these moves to beat the senators on a random Thursday night. They've made these moves so they can make a deep run and win the cup. Ultimately, right. The Sens are a hot team too. The Sens won four yeah. in a row. They've been playing really well, scoring a lot of goals and the Rangers are also on a back to back. They had a back to back this weekend. Their schedule has been a little weird lately too. Not that I'm making excuses, but it does. But exactly. If you look at the Sens, I think they're the only team that have beaten the Bruins twice this year. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Like and yeah. obviously Brady Kachuk, he's, he's a piece of crap when he's not on your <laughs> I team. Love, like, I love him. I, I yeah. love him to bits, but I, yeah. I, there was last night, there was moments I was like, I hate him so much, but love him at the same Like He's exactly the kind of player that like he's, he's like his brother. You'd want Don't both you love hating him, though? Yeah, it's so like it's fun. nice to it's nice to have a villain. Like I can't think of anyone that I really like despise in the NHL right now. You know, like there there's no uh, you know I'm trying to think like a Darcy Tucker. You know, someone on Toronto that that just really pissed off the entire Ranger team whenever they played them. There's no one that you just like really love to hate right now. And Kachuk is one of those guys that comes to mind when you think about it. And he loves it too. Like last yeah. night when he scored the goal before it got wiped out. Like <laughs> the first thing he does is literally just smash it against the boards and just like go for the, go for the Ranger fans. Like he loves yeah. being the villain. Like you can tell. Um, that was good stuff. 
in terms so I want to kind of delve into the the Kane and Tarasenko trades a little bit because I think there was a there was a load of stuff about what this team needs. You know, does it need another bop six four? They obviously got Tyler Mott and hopefully he's not out for a considerable amount of time. Um but I think I, I did a piece on my website. I think with the Kane trade in particular, it, it was a trade they needed to make. When a player like that becomes available, you get the best player available and then you figure out the rest along the way. But I actually think having another legit top six wing, it adds balance to the rest of the lineup too. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Um, you know, I, I couldn't really say it any better. I, I think, you know, the Rangers were guilty of shuffling lines a ton. Um, trying to find those right combinations. I think now the combinations are basically, you know, set in stone. Um, you know, I, I, the only change I could see happening um, would be like Tarasenko and Kako switching because Kako's looked really good. I think with Sabanajad and Kreider a lot this year, and uh, you know, sometimes it, it could help to have a veteran guy, you know, with the kids like Hedo and Lafreniere if they're not doing so well. Which they, yeah, you know, honestly, last night they were a little invisible. I thought for the most part. Um, actually, I thought Lafreniere had a lot of jump in his step, but he didn't really create so much he had that one rebound opportunity i think in the first period or maybe it was the third um they just shot wide but uh you know i i don't think there's going to be a lot of line shuffling which is nice because that's been the rangers thing the last two years under drug lamp was just all the line shuffling and you know people coming in people coming out uh you know stuff like that but yeah i think to your point you know when you have a chance to get a guy like tarasenko and you're not giving up anything that really affects your future. Like if they were giving up a Heedle, giving up a Kako, giving up Lafreniere, I think it's more of an argument. But to give up what you did to get a guy like that, I think it's you know obviously a no-brainer, like you said. Yeah, and I think we can put a lot into this, but I think it's it's an intangible that's important. It's knowing what it takes to win. This is a guy that's won three cups. You know, he scored the the game winner in overtime, the the, the cup that started the, that dynasty run for the Blackhawks. And he knows what it takes, you know, because postseason hockey's hard, right? Yeah. Like, is is it's completely different to the regular season. It's almost a different sport at that point. And this is a guy that knows what it takes to go all the way. And I think you can't put enough importance on that that quality in the locker room. Yeah, and I think you know, uh, on top of that, all the players, you know, they've spoken about how they grew up idolizing Patrick Kane. So not only, you know, does it help with the leadership, but it also helps going forward. You know, if Kane's not in this team next year, they'll still take the, you know, 20 or so games they got from playing with him and, and use that in their careers. You know, like a guy like Lafreniere or, or guys like Lafreniere, Hito and Kako have been very open about how they are just so happy to be on the same team as a guy like him. And, um, you know, he's obviously going to teach them a few things and, and they're going to teach him a few things. You know, he said that in his press conference, like, you know, there's a lot of young talent on this team that, that they're high draft picks that, you know, play very competitively and they're not, you know, just focused on skill and he's going to take a lot from them. Um, you know, like a guy like Lafreniere is a guy who likes to throw the body and, and Kane isn't necessarily one of those guys. And maybe Lafreniere will fire Kane up to go, you know, throw a yeah. hit or something. So uh, I, I think it's good for, for both sides uh, to learn and grow from each other. And, you know, Patrick Kane, I think Emily Kaplan was talking about it earlier. Like, you know, he's a student of the game, you know, he's 34, he's still learning. And uh, I think that's important too. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they both benefit or how everyone benefits from from both sides of the partnership here. And he really seems to have kind of taken on that leadership role the last couple of years. He's kind of really um, embraced that older statesman <laughs> role. Um, and that kind of makes me think, you know, we obviously know the salary cap kind of issues with the Rangers, but he kind of strikes me as a guy, you know, he made it very clear he wanted to be here. Can you see a situation come the off season where 
if there's an opportunity to maybe take less and and sign a two three year deal, he he would do to stay and and, and compete. Or what? How do you see that? Or or do you see this as purely it, it's a rental for one year and they'll move on and he'll go elsewhere? It's hard to say now. Like I think if if the Rangers win the Stanley Cup, I don't think he'd be as inclined to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um. But then again, like maybe he would be. I like I really do think like I think he's more likely to stay if they get far and come up short than if they get it done. Um because if they do get it done, he might look for a situation just to, you know, go back to, to Chicago and retire as a Blackhawk. You know, I think he's been vocal about retiring as a Blackhawk at some point in his career. Um so if he wins a cup here, I could see that happening, but I could also see him, you know, staying if they don't get it done and, and wanting to you know, bring a cup to New York. Um, it's a really hard question to answer now. Uh, you know, obviously, the, but that's the point of these, right? Like, you want to have the the fun hypothet- hypothetical conversations. Yeah. But I do think, like, you know, if the, if they get close to to winning the cup and don't get it done, I could see him taking a a, a pay cut to to try to do it. Okay, I'm going to throw one more at you before we move on. Yeah, yeah. Have you? allowed yourself to get lost in the dream of Patrick Mc, uh, Patrick Kane hoisting the Stanley Cup above his head down the Canyon of Heroes in the summer. Have you even let that thought enter your head yet? Honestly, like, like no. Uh, it's it's weird, right? Because I, I actually, like, don't even know how to imagine that day ever happening. Uh, you know, part of me almost, like, doesn't want them to win the Stanley Cup because after they do, then it's like, well, now what? Like, yeah, where, you know, where do you uh, go from here? Yeah, like, like my life's not getting any better than this day, um, you know. So th- there is a part of me that, uh, like, almost like doesn't want them to win. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird, twisted, sick thing. I think, but it is so fun to have the the competitiveness and the hope every year. And then, like, it, sometimes it's nice to have the pain. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like so used to it. Maybe I'm but, the same with the Mets, though. It's like, yeah, if, if they go and win this year, I can't be that sick, twisted, grumpy Mets fan anymore. It's I like, know it's like oh. fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's fun. Like if you're, you know, I don't know what your other teams are, but I've I've kind of been stuck with the Rangers, Mets, Jets, and Knicks. I'm, um, I'm a Rangers Knicks guy, and I I don't really watch the other two, but I root for the Mets and the Giants. Yeah, and it, and it's kind of like. You know, you we've been sucked into that mm-hmm. vortex of suckiness, and it's like, yeah, what do we do when that no longer, you know, when that no longer happens? Well, I already know the day the Rangers win the cup, July first, everyone's going to freak out about who they resign and don't resign. So we'll have yeah. a nice ten, we'll have a nice ten days of celebrating, and then it's back to the the we want pain kind kind of vibe. <laughs> Conversation, yeah, it would just be a complete, you know. As you say, five ten days of celebrations, and it'll be just meltdowns. Yeah, and it's Dolan sucks. <laughs> yeah, Dolan sucks. Get him out. Yeah. Well, the one thing that could, you know, in the, over the next couple of years is the kind of Rangers Devils rivalry kicks back in because I kind of wanted to touch on them in terms of the the Eastern Conference, which is absolutely um, stacked, and I wanted to ask who, who you like coming out of the East. But I think the Devils are going to be a team to watch over the next few years with their young core, you know, Jack Hughes, and obviously they added uh, Timo Meyer, but. I just really like their team. I like the way they play. I like how they're they're set up, and I think they're gonna make some noise this year. I, I, I really like. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Um, 
as far as the Devils because you know everyone wants to have the conversation about how they might not have that experience, but like they they certainly do in some areas. Um, you know, Dougie Hamilton's you know been a part of some playoff runs in Carolina and Boston early in his career. Um, Nico Heischer played that one playoff series, uh, you know, a couple years ago against Tampa Bay. Andre Pallad, obviously one of the more clutch playoff scorers that we've seen in the last five or 10 years. Um, you know, I'm trying to think throughout the lineup, like, you know, who they do have there that, uh, you know, can make an impact on a deep playoff run. But sometimes too, like you don't know what you don't know. You know, like we saw last year with the kid line who, who performed really well in the playoffs that just like maybe didn't understand how big the moment actually was, yeah. you know, a guy like Philip Heedle who absolutely tore it up that had never really played in the playoffs before. So like I could see the devils getting to the conference final. I could also see them losing in the first round like that. And I think that's for, you know, basically all eight teams that are going to make the playoffs this year. Like there's no one that I can't see going on a run. Like even though, like I've been so high in the Buffalo Sabres all year, like mm. Buffalo's had a top five yeah, offense, that's... you know, a top power play all season long. They just haven't had the consistent goaltending, but if the Sabres get hot, like they're a tough team to defend. Like they are very, very talented up front. So, you know, and on the back end with Dalene, um, you know, I really do think in the East, like, you know, obviously Boston right now is in their own tier, but I, I do think it's anyone's game. Um, I, I really do believe that. Like, there's there's no team that I, I, I won't write off. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, Buffalo, I think, you know, outside of the Rangers, I think they're probably the team that I like to watch the most because mm-hmm. they're just a fun you, – you don't know what you're going to get any given they're night. They're so they're fun. Just, they're just a fun team. Like, you, you know how, like, basketball fans have, like, the NBA game pass conversation about, like, what's your – your go-to team it's like Mm -hmm. i think for me on like the nhl app it's like it would be the sabers because you just know you're going to watch a good hockey game every night um i mean outside of edmonton obviously also like how could you not watch edmonton every night yeah Yeah. exactly you know because as much fun as conor mcdavid is as well they're gonna allow a a boatload of goals um but yeah i think i think in terms of the the east obviously tampa bay i think they've got the experience and they've still got their core intact um, I'm still questioning how much they gave up for a, effectively a bottom six piece, but mm. they they seem to be they seem to make these moves and they pay off every year. So I don't think you can really question them. But um, I wanted to I wanted to get into some of the trade deadline moves. So you mentioned Boston. I I, I really like what they've done. Obviously, I think their biggest bit of business was locking up Pasternak, who the guys. So you know, we talk about fun players to watch. Yeah. He can shoot from literally anywhere on the ice. Um, he's fun to watch. Obviously, they got Tyler Bertuzzi. Obviously, they got a couple of injuries, but all of seems to have found his his, his mm-hmm. scoring touch and it's going there. Um, Bobby Orlov, yeah, exactly. He's been really good. Um, I like the pieces there. One team that I've been surprised by. I don't know if you agree on this. Are the Leafs because they actually seem to have made moves that have made sense and have addressed flaws, not just kind of added stars for the sake of star. I really like what they've done. What, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think for Dubas, like I think uh, he's fighting for his job right now, right? If the Leafs don't get out of the first round again, how could you defend it? I mean, listen, it's not on him at the end of the day. Like he's done what he's can to put this team together. And, you know, I think uh, he's not worried about the next guy who's coming in and getting his job, right? Like he uh, essentially sacrificed the Leafs future or near future to, to go for it. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think it's it's hard to argue that too with you know Austin Matthews contract coming up, I think, in the next year or so. Um, you know, on this team really having that window fully open and it, it could be destroyed in two years if they don't see any success. So um, yeah, I think the Leafs have done everything in their power to not only win around, 
but to get to the cup and, and they're a team too. Like, you know, I I've said this uh, out loud a couple of times, but like if I'm rooting for one conference final, it's, it's Leafs Rangers. I think, uh, you know, just for the league as a whole, like two very huge markets, you know, a Canadian yeah. market, a American market that, you know, our original six franchises have a ton of talent, always seem to play really close, fun games. Um, you know, the last, the last game being that Mitch Marner overtime goal in Toronto. Um, you know, I think that's such a, you know, incredible storyline for the Leafs too. If, if they, you know, do win that first round and then end up taking on the Rangers and beating this, you know, super powerhouse Ranger team and get to the final, uh, then that's a great story. Um, you know, I, I do think, and I do want the Leafs to do well. I think those, those kids and those players deserve to get their flowers. Like I love Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, not a huge like Tavares guy, but I, I respect his game. The Leafs there. Um, I think you're right. Cause I kind of think the same with McDavid. I think you want the best players in the league to win and be successful. And like, for me, the worst thing that can happen is McDavid retires without a cup. And I yeah. think you kind of look at like Matthews and Marner and, and, and that group has been, has been the same. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I'm, I'm trying to think too, like, you know, outside of McDavid, like who is the best player right now that hasn't won a cup? And, and Matthews comes to mind. Pasternak comes to mind. Um, you know, all these stars that have been around for the last five plus years that haven't been able to get it done. Um, and you want to see those guys win. Like you want to see, the, especially the the fun and cool guys like Marner and Matthews. Like you know, watching Matthews and uh, Pasternak party with the cup is going to be some pretty awesome content. I think for for one of these summers soon. Um, you know, same with like a Panarin and. Um, you know, guys like that. So yeah, I, I'm rooting for them. Um, you know, obviously I want the Rangers to beat them, but if, if there's another team that is going to win the cup, I'd like to see the Leafs do it. So last thing before I let you go, cause I'm sure Chris is dialed into the NHL trade deadline stuff. Um, is there been a move other than today? Cause again, there's not a lot going on today, but has there been a move excluding the Rangers that you really liked? Uh, for me, I mean, I mean, there's been 700. Um, trying yeah, to think it's, of like it's been a crazy two weeks, right? Yeah, it's been literally insane. Um, I think the most effective one, just because of how good the team's been for me, it's like Tyler Bertuzzi going to going to Boston. Um, you know, he's not only a skilled guy, but he's also a tough guy and makes that team so much harder to play against. And they're already that hard to play against. So, um, you know, I don't think he's played a game yet. He's going to play probably his first game tomorrow against the Rangers. And wait, something just happened. I think. Uh, 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 oh no! It's about Tyler Mott. They can't call anybody up if Mott doesn't play tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I think Boston making that move to get Bertuzzi just just makes them that much scarier. So I would say that one stands out a little bit to me. Yeah, definitely. Him and him and Marshand on the same team is going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, no, thanks for jumping on. Um, hopefully get you back on maybe just before the playoffs and, and we yep. can talk then. But no, thanks for jumping on, and um, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. And, uh, nice to meet you, Chris. Later. Me too. Happy I could add on all my hockey takes. Well, you hear the guy there, Chris Cotillo, obviously the uh, Boston Red Sox reporter for for Mass Live. Chris, sorry about that, and thank you for for, for jumping on. I wasn't planning to have a, a that smooth transition into the um, into the two guests today, but here we are. Um, so we transitioned from hockey talk. Um, I won't ask you what your favorite deadline acquisition is, but um, we're going to talk some baseball. It's been a busy couple of weeks for you, and I know you haven't got long today. How's the, how's the first couple of weeks of spring training been for you? 
Yeah, it's, you know, I think for me, it's uh, two weeks down there. Two plus weeks down there was about really uh, getting to know the new faces on the team. You know, when you add, I think the stat, they had 65 guys in camp and 34, 35 of them with the Red Sox were um, players who had never been in Major League Spring training with them before. It just kind of shows you the turnover, not just the free agents they signed, those high-profile guys, whether it be Yoshida or Duvall, you know, Kluber, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner, any of those guys. Um, just a lot of prospects that, you know, are starting to arrive too. So for me, it was a lot of trying to put names to faces and stuff because the guys I'd never been around before inter- introductions um, wasn't much in the way of storylines. I think for the Red Sox, I think the biggest thing right now for them is all about rotation health. And if those guys are going to be able to be healthy, today's a big day as James Paxton pitches for the first time, Chris Sale is going to pitch on Monday. So, um, you know, I think that there's uh, obviously I, I'm I'm a guy who thinks that for a reporter, spring training is a little too long. Obviously, the the players need all that time to build up. So that's what they're doing. Um, but, you know, really just kind of a the big takeaway, you know, from that Red Sox was, um, wow, there's a lot of new faces and uh, there's a lot of turnover here. I was going to say, you know, we know spring training for the players. They need that to to, to build up. Is it the same for you guys as well as journalists uh Ease, ease back in a little bit or I, I mean there's no off season anyway is it so it's not like you completely stop but it is yeah. a sense of easing back into it a little bit no not really uh it's you know it's a good opportunity you know spring training uh is kind of a choose your own path type of thing for us you know like on the on a day-to-day basis throughout the season right at the trade deadline you know you're going to be writing about all the trades that um that are going down or, you know, if they're in the playoffs, you're going to be writing about, you know, the games and who's in the lineup and that type of stuff, you know, what you're going to be doing in spring training. There's really not those natural storylines. Most days it's really um, kind of, you can pick and, and choose what you want to write about. And there's so much access, you know, for us, the clubhouse is open uh, every morning from eight to nine. And then after the workouts over, usually from 12 to one and um, very relaxed environment, good opportunity to really get to know players, to really talk to them, to do the whole um, you know, off record thing to do interviews, all that. And that's kind of where my focus was trying to do a few features that were, you know, unique where I was getting a guy one-on-one and trying to do something that the rest of the beat wasn't doing just because, you know, there's so many, um, there's so many uh, days where there's just not that natural storyline. So that's kind of where we focus. Um, and even, you know, getting some stories down there that once we came home, we can still write from here because, you know, they're not necessarily have to be up that minute. You can wait a week to write them. I have a couple like, like that, um, you know, canned and ready to go. So um, access is great in terms of storyline. It's not, it's a lot of work, you know, there's no, um, when people think it's like, you know, you go down and cruise and go to the beach. It's not, it's very, uh, very, very, um, long days there's no days off because obviously they're there you know on the weekends too so you know for i think we were there for 15 days and you know chris and i went but i think we we each took one day where we worked from the condo uh my partner chris smith and i but um you know 14 out of 15 days it's kind of just the same day over and over and over again so it gets redundant especially when there's not much going on and you know we made a decision because so many players are going to the world baseball classic that uh, you know, probably be better off, um, you know, not even being there for this middle three weeks. And we're going to go back kind of at the end of, uh, at the end of spring. Yeah. I, I know that you were, you were glad to get back. And, and I mean, I think that's the thing. I think for those who are kind of on the outside looking in, like the the people that want to be sports journalists and they look at things like spring training and think, Oh, great. We get to go away for like two months. And it is not as glamorous as that is it. It's not, 
you're not out every it is literally as you said 15 16 hour days to the grind um it's a, it's a huge well. grind yeah it's a huge grind from training uh you know someone on the red sox beat once said it's like you know before the marathon starts you know running a, a 5k basically um not that i have any idea what any of that you know would actually be like in real life because i can't go up and down stairs um but like you know this really you know you feel like um yeah it's a long time like i said six weeks of this week of this year it's even a little longer i think because of the wbc but um you know, I don't have a family, so I it's, that's not a problem being away for that long. But I know that you know people who are away from their families down in Florida, or Arizona for six weeks. That's a lot too. So again, I wouldn't trade the job for anything in the world. I always say that, but it's not like you know this awesome, uh, unbelievable experience. It's a lot of work, uh, especially down there. And you know, you're going every single day. Every day is the exact same. The other thing for baseball writers, it's a huge adjustment to the schedule because. You know, we're used to working, you know, being at the ballpark for a night game at three o'clock every day during the regular season. The day starts basically at three o'clock or, um, you know, obviously it depends on the game time, but we're not early risers um, in any way. And in spring training, the way the workouts work, because they want to get their work in before it gets super hot, the clubhouse opens for, you know, our access begins at 8 a.m. So getting up at 7 a.m. is a huge adjustment for me. Uh, I know everybody else in the world does it on, on a daily <laughs> basis. They're not still you know, writing at 3 a.m. on most nights like I am, but um, that's always takes, you know, a week to get adjusted to and uh, probably healthier and better for a routine, but it's such an outlier because come April when the regular season starts, right, it'll be, you know, I'll be the uh, the wake up at 11.30 and roll to Fenway at 3 and be there until 1 a.m. type of stuff again. So, um, yeah, as I always say, if you're looking for a healthy routine, don't become a baseball writer. I, I know it must be the same during the regular season in terms of that competition among writers as well, but I I, I guess it's almost ramped up in spring training because as you said, there's there's more opportunity to get the big story, the feature story, to meet new faces. So so is there an element of that? Not only you getting used to a new routine, but you're also kind of ramping up that competition for the for the year as well. Yeah, I think for me it's you know, something I've learned over the first five or six years on the beat and 18 and 19, you know, I was just out of college and I was really horrible at making the most of my access and going up to players. I was really timid in there. I'd let other people get the stories. I wouldn't want to go up and ask the question that was on my mind just because I was afraid of a negative reaction in 20 and 21 when we didn't have clubhouse access, it kind of made me realize like, wow, that, that time's so valuable. You know, it's so valuable to, you know, I, I can't run something by a player like I could, you know, in the last couple of years. And when we get it back, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity. And so that's been really a focus for me last year and in the spring training, you know, um, you know, Alex Cora at the end of last year called out Alex Verdugo on the last day of the season and said, we need him to be better in 2023 point blank. There's, there's one guy on our team. We need to be better. So the first person I talked to in spring training was Verdugo. I said, we haven't seen you since Alex Cora called you out, you know? Um, and you know, uh, what do you think about that? Can I swear on here? Am I allowed to swear? Far away, swear as much as you want. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yeah, man, that 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 shit really pissed me off. You know, I'm t- tired of people talking shit about me. So I went home and said, no one's going to be talking shit anymore because I'm going to put the work in. And like gave me this great story about how fired up he was for, you know, and that was like, you know, on a day where, you know, the story, quote unquote, was this guy's throwing a bullpen. And, you know, his arm didn't fall off and he threw 10 pitches like every guy throws bullpen spring training. You know, that's kind of where I think, you know, you can really separate uh, on the beat and go talk to Verdugo and no one else did. And, 
then, you know, you have, um, you know, a pretty good story where he's all fired up and it's just kind of redemption comeback story, all that stuff. So um, that's something I've never been good at. I've always been behind the rest of the beat on that uh, until the last couple of years. I realized like, all right, if we have this access, I might as well take advantage of it. My partner at Mass Live, Chris Smith, has always been, you know, the best at it where he's been a guy who has, you know, gone out of his way to talk to as many players as possible um, every spring. And that serves you well because, you know, you don't just get the story for the day, but you also, you know, get a relationship down the line. If it's a top prospect and he's called up in the middle of the season, that guy might not know everybody on the beat, but he knows Chris because he's talked to him in spring training. So there's a lot of, um, you know, it's it's a good time really just not just the uh, I'm going to get a story out of a guy, but shooting the shit, you know, introducing yourself, yeah. that type of stuff. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't talk to every new free agent the Red Sox sign um, just for different reasons, but like, you know, Kenley Jansen, I didn't interview him once during spring training, but I went up and introduced myself, shook his hand, asked him how everything was going, how he was enjoying the adjustment, you know? And so like when I go back down there, Kenley Jansen's way too famous to really know who I am, that type of stuff, but he'll at least be like, oh, I think I might've seen that face before. And he seems like a very nice guy. So that's just kind of, you know, a big piece of it too. I, I found that when I worked as, as a head of communications for a soccer team in England, in terms of dealing with the players day to day, one thing I quickly learned was that if you just take five minutes with a player, just asking how their families were, like what's going on. If if they're if one of them's in the medical room and they've got like a bad injury, you just go in and put your arm around them and and just like act like a human being, basically. And I think that's what you're saying. If you do that, then you kind of find that that relationship builds organically. Um, yeah. So and I, and I think that's that's the big thing. Um, I know you've got to run fairly quickly because you're a very busy man. And as we know now, baseball back time doesn't stop. Um, so one thing I just wanted to ask you, there's a lot of rule changes in baseball. They're obviously, they've been talked about a lot. Um, I really like the pitch clock. What are your thoughts on the changes and what kind of feedback have you had from players? Uh, the players, you know, like the interesting thing about that to me is that, you know, it doesn't really matter um, what they have to say because, um, you know, I, they have to follow the rules, right? So they can complain about it all they want. They have to follow it. Um, I think, you know, as Alex Cora said, and other people in the game have said by April 30th, we're not going to be noticing any of this stuff. This is all going to be, you know, the type of stuff that, um, you know, I think basically, uh, is just second nature at that time. If a guy is not willing to, um, you know, conform to the pitch clock or, or you know, be in the shift, he's going to get penalized, right? And he's going to hurt his team. So they have to. It doesn't matter how much they bitch about it now. Um, I think also, from my perspective, the pitch clock's great. When you're at, you know, if you're a fan going to one or two games a year, you want to be there for three and a half hours, have some beers, all that type of stuff. For diehard baseball fans who are there watching, you know, every day or watching on TV, the shorter games are going to be better. Obviously, you know, as writers, you're going to see everybody in the media is going to be happy about it because yeah. it does shorten the workday at the end of the day. Um, but you know, it's an adjustment, but I think like all these things, people were really upset about instant replay and all these things that have come into play or the, you know, extra inning rule or the universal DH and all this stuff. I can't believe they're making wholesale changes within a month, within six weeks of that stuff being uh part of the game. You didn't notice it anymore. You know, I talked to my 93 year old grandmother the other day on the, and he is asked about why the clock is, you know, going on behind home and i explained it all to him he's like that's great the games are too long so if you're 93 almost 94 and you can accept change and i think anybody can really yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go chris because i know you've got 
some some stuff to attend to. Um, I appreciate it. It looks like uh, it looks like James Paxton that just got hurt yet again. So a big blow to the Red Sox if that turns out to be something. It never stops, does it? In spring training, um, there's always something. It never stops. Period. Thank yeah. you for jumping on. Thank you for being part of our NHL trade deadline coverage as well. Um, you know, we, we I know I can always count on you to to be versatile. Um, one thing before you go, yeah. you you are a recurring guest. You're on the first episode. One thing that was a big hit, people want to know your favorite soft serve flavor. Yeah, it's vanilla. We'll keep it simple. Vanilla cookies and you mix in the Oreo crumbs and then obviously rainbow sprinkles as well. But it's just, it's a formula. It's tried and true. It never fails. Okay. That's a perfect uh, getting off point. Chris, um, good luck with all the Red Sox stuff. We'll get you on maybe once the regular season starts and it settles down. Well, settles down as much as it can. Um, (laughs) And uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks a lot. Cheers, man. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.